Hey, welcome to the Elijah Rising podcast, where we discuss the myths, misconceptions, and most asked questions about sex trafficking. I'm Adam, and today I am honored to be joined by uh, our executive director, Micah Gamboa. Thank you for having me. I'm so pleased to be here. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. Micah's been on a couple of episodes, um, and so we're excited to have her here for a very special reason, but uh, let me tell you a little bit why I asked Micah to join me today. We want to talk about long-term restorative care in our work, uh, what we call the Elijah Rising Restoration Campus. And so what we want to do with this episode today is talk a little bit about the why of restorative care, Micah. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, it's, you know, we just reached our or we just passed, I should say, our one-year anniversary yes. of the yes. Elijah Rising Restoration Campus. And so by the end of the episode, I want to wrap up with us just discussing, like, what's the future? Where are we going? Mm-hmm. And and why? Why mm-hmm. are we going there? Yeah. And, and maybe even, you know, how do we get there? So that's kind of where we're going today. But... Um, we don't want to use up a whole bunch of time on this episode. So there is another episode of our podcast, episode five, where Sam and I sit down and discuss how we got into this, mm-hmm. kind of the story of how we launched um, what was Kendleton Farms, what is now Elijah Rising Restoration Campus. Um, so Micah, you were a part of that whole process. I was. You were a part of uh, acquiring that 84 acre campus mm-hmm. and all of the challenges, but also I think miracles yeah, absolutely. that went into mm-hmm. um, the build out of that for so many years. So let me ask you then, what do you wish you knew <laughs> before you opened up a trauma-informed, long-term mm. restorative care campus for adult female survivors of sex trafficking. Well, how long do you have, yeah. first of all? Uh, we should ask the listener. Listener, how long would you? <laughs> like, do you no. wait yeah. um, no, you know, and again, we've only been doing this a year, yeah. right? We had a soft launch that was a year or so as well, which we learned a lot. Yeah. But we're only a year in. And so, and you know, nationwide, people, aftercare, the aftercare industry is only anywhere from like five to seven years old on average. So we are all very much learning, pioneering. Um, That said, there are so many things that I wish I knew, Um, not even knowing what kind of questions to ask really. Right. Cause you don't, you've never done this before. Um, And you know, there's no, there's no template for this, right? There's no, there's no safe home model or like handbook out there to say, okay, here go start up a safe home. Um, And I think so many times People, us for sure, myself included, thought, oh, well, it can just be housing. Mm. Maybe not just housing. Yes, mental mental, mental health support sure. um, or mental health care, right? But, or like, let's do counseling. You mm. know what I mean? That was, so housing and counseling, let's put those together and that seems like it'll be adequate. Right. It was so, so not adequate. Um, and I'm so grateful that we didn't, we didn't actually start that way. We had enough um, clinical advice before we started that yeah. we didn't make that mistake. Um, but that could have been our trajectory pretty easily. And so I see a lot of safe homes opening up where that is their trajectory. Yeah. Um, anyways, um, so all that to say, you know, it's not just the environmental factor. We have to look at the woman and her needs holistically. And so that means education. We've got to go back and sometimes women are coming to us with a bachelor's degree, right. but sometimes they're coming to us with like a fourth grade education, right. you know? Right. And so we've got to, we've got to address those needs. We've got to obviously address the emotional support and beyond just counseling, we've got to bring in some very, very well-equipped trauma-informed licensed professionals. Yeah. And that looks like psychologists, psychiatrists, mm-hmm. um, specializing in anti-trafficking or sex trafficking, 
pain rehab. Um, and there are very few and far between yeah. to do that. Um, We've got to address her social needs. And so, so many times um, there have been, there's been harm done between her family members, right? So the family unit is broken or maybe she's coming through foster care system um, or just, you know, community estrangement in general. Mm. And so that's got to be addressed. Um, You know, her physical needs, man, like I think... I think I underestimated the phys- the physical toll that these women undergo yeah. through their trauma in trafficking or exploitation. And so we're going back sometimes five, 10, 15 years sometimes to just, um, let's go back to the dentist, right? Let's go to yeah. the, the doctor and, and let's get these needs that have been so um, neglected. neglected. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think one of the biggest things that people don't realize too is that we've got to make sure that they have a viable income after they leave our program right, during right. and after, right? If you, it's not enough to say, okay, we're going to give you a house. We're going to give you a car. We're going to put you back in touch with your kids. If she does not have a viable way to support those children and support right. herself and the financial literacy and skills to manage that income after we're really setting her up for failure and we're doing her a disservice yeah. where we're, making a lot of tally marks, uh, if you will, on our grant sheets, you yeah. know, and our, our metrics, but it doesn't actually serve her needs. Well, and it also, it, it almost feels like if you don't, if, if you're not serving all of those needs that, that list you just shared with us, which I know that there's more on that nah, list to be shared, <laughs> but like if you, if you don't cover those needs as a program in a very intentional strategic mm-hmm. way, like you, you almost set up that woman to, to fall back into yeah. that that former life Absolutely. where you know in many cases she knew were she knew how to operate well yes. you know what i mean yes. and so we we almost have to um, replace all of those things with that list that you just shared you know as as a as a grant writer as as the development director here at Elijah Rising you know have conversations with people with foundations mm-hmm. with churches with businesses almost on a daily basis Mm -hmm. where they ask, you know, the very basic questions of like, Mm -hmm. you know, what are you guys doing and how are you guys doing it? And so often I find myself writing grants or or having conversations with foundations about long-term restorative care. And there seems to be um, just like a disconnect, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Between, well, we know sex trafficking is heinous and real and in our streets, in our neighborhoods, down the street from where my kids go to school, et cetera. And we know that there are real human beings made in the image of God that are being exploited and violence is perpetrated against them. And so we know that we need to go get them. Mm, mm -hmm. They need to exit. We Mm -hmm. need to shut this down. We need to stop this. We need to exit them. And we agree. Mm -hmm. Like that's why we do intervention work, Mm -hmm. right? That's why we partner with other organizations that, that really focus on that because that is so necessary. But there often seems to be this disconnect between like, yes, but that's kind of only first step. That's a very, very beginning step, And right? what I hear you saying is like, we got 50 more steps. Yeah, to yeah, man. We have 50 million more steps, it feels like. And, you know, even, so our program is roughly two years. Yeah. A little, you know, it's tailor-made for each individual. Um, but in two years, we should be able to address those eight dimensions of wellness and, success, like, set her up for a successful independent living. Now, after that, she still has a journey, mm. a lifetime of journey in front of her. You know, um, you talk to any counselor and they'll say, you know, healing is a, a journey. It's a process. Sure. It's not going to be solved in a year or two. And you've gone through deep, emotional, complex, 
long-term trauma. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a journey of healing. And so her steps continue even beyond our steps do, which right. is so crazy, right? So you've got to go back, look at the woman's lifetime trauma right. and say, where have you been neglected? And essentially, I don't really love this kind of analogy, but in a lot of ways, she's been sometimes neglected or abandoned by her parents, yeah. right, from a very early age. And so we're almost going back to that childhood stage and going, okay, well, did you get all of the things that you needed? Sure. And if not, how can we help support that? So we're just walking alongside of her. We don't take that place or anything like that. Um, we're just almost like a partner in that yeah. process. And she's a real overcomer. Like she's right. a real the hero in this story, making those really hard decisions day in and day out absolutely. to go through this journey of healing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's, that's one element of, of, um, what you wish you, what you wish you knew. Um, I, I think before we move kind of into the next segment, I'm just kind of reminded, like, I think it's also important f- to point out, well, let's just talk about like the current state of play for long-term restorative mm-hmm. care. Right. Absolutely. So like, how many spa- are a bunch of people doing this? No. Are there a lot of organizations doing <laughs> this? Like how many beds are available? How many, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, like if a woman exits tomorrow and she's stabilized, is there a ton of opportunity for her to find mm-hmm. a long-term restorative care program? No, there's not. Um, it, you know, I had one of our partners go like, man, if someone get, if a woman is able to exit, get out of the life, go to um, Elijah Rising Restoration Campus or any one of these others, it's like she's won the lottery. Mm. I was like, man, that's wow. so true. Wow. It's so true because right now there's an estimate of roughly around a thousand lo- like safe home beds um, for sex trafficking victims in the whole country. That's a national As figure. a national figure. And again, they've only been doing this for what, five years, seven years maybe right. on average. And so they're learning a lot. There's not a lot of resource um, grossly underfunded. I yeah. think that's another thing that I didn't realize is how expensive yeah. it is. And that's another place of disconnect where I feel like we need to do a better job of educating um, our constituency, the public at large of saying that this is not... You know, someone told us one time that they, the women that we serve should be at the poverty level. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least our cost to support right. them should be equal to whatever like poverty standards are, right, at a base. You cannot get um, housing, education, medical care, psychiatric care, clinical, ex- you can't get that at a poverty level. That's right. just base, like baseline, right? right? And then you have to have well-trained, educated, trauma-informed staff because you're dealing with, um, we didn't even t- touch on like addiction recovery, right. suicidal ideation, you know, all of these things that come with complex PTSD and trauma. Um, I feel like I'm digressing from your question, but no, there's no, not a lot important. of beds, right? Yeah. And so it, it's a it's a huge gap. Like last year alone, in the with a hotline that was just in Houston, they yeah. um, saw over it was like 149 right. women exit from the hotline. Just come off the streets, come out of trafficking in this city alone. Yeah. And so how many beds are in this city alone right now? There's three aftercare agencies for yeah. a long-term adult care. Yeah. And I think there's, what, like 18 th- or think, 16 beds total, something like that? I think we're that? up to, like as of today, I think we're up to about 25 beds. 25 beds, yeah. 25? Which includes ours. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrifying. Yeah. It's, and and. So it's not something that we're reacting, you know, to this, oh my God, there's a huge gap and now we're just reacting, knee-jerk reaction. Now we're being very calculated. But that was the whole reason that we got into it, right? Is that we were doing so much intervention and we saw women exiting 
at a rapid pace that was not concurrent to the 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 service at the at the back end. Right. And so that's where we said, okay, there's a huge need, there's a huge problem. Why don't we ask God and believe God for a huge solution? And so that's where the vision comes in. That's where this long-term, you know, the 10, yeah. 20, 50 year plan comes in because I believe that, you know, where sin abounds, grace abounds. Mm. And I like there is no limit in God. There's no lack in him. And so we're not um, every cap that we might have on ourselves or like our experience or our ability to get funding, I think that we can blow past that yeah. because of God, not because yeah. of our own you know wisdom yeah. <laughs> in fundraising, right? right? We're learning we're learning that as well. Um, but I have this the Lord has gifted us eighty four acres. He's gifted us multiple buildings. He has gifted us this opportunity. And so now all we have to do is cultivate and keep and take one step in front of the other. And I believe we're going to see a radical solution to this issue in our city, in our generation. Yeah, that's so powerful. Uh, um, We're going to take a quick break in the podcast, but when we get back, I want to ask you to think about um, a couple, maybe one or two stories from the past year uh, that have impacted you the most um, from restorative care or, or work in restorative care. And then I want you to cast a vision for listeners and for the viewers of like, where's this thing going? You yeah. know, we're a year in, mm-hmm. uh, what's the next year look like? What's five years look like? Yeah, so um, hang with us. And we'll see you in just a minute. began to face the issue of sex trafficking, we were devastated by the number of survivors who struggled to find lasting and safe employment. We realized that a major part of the recovery process had to be economic empowerment. The women that we serve have survived immense harm, but their resilience and strength inspire us every day. These women are creators, innovators, and visionaries. They deserve the freedom to thrive and pursue their greatness. At Elijah Rising, we create hand-built goods that empower women who have survived human trafficking. We know that you're gonna love what we make at Elijah Rising Goods because we believe in the goods that we create and we believe in the amazing women that produce them. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, Micah, that first segment, um, I found myself being impacted by what you're saying. Like, it's always important <laughs> to remember just how big the problem is mm. of fighting sex trafficking. But also, you're right, there, we, we're believing for a big solution. Yeah, we are. Um, and so we've been doing this for a year at the Elijah Rising Restorative Care Campus. And so I'm wondering if there's a, a story or two quick stories mm. that prove to you personally that this is working and can work yeah. and will continue to work. Like mm-hmm. the, the like an impact that you've seen or felt this year that drives you to keep going and keep building. Yeah, I mean, I want to start with one that's, um, it might seem kind of minor or small, um, but I know, you know, for the women who serve in our program, yeah. the, our staff members, they are sending stuff like testimonies to us weekly, if not daily. Um, and sometimes there are things like, um, I don't know, um, 
this one of our residents was um, apologized to by the first man in her life. Yeah. You know, and you're like, okay, well, that's not going to ever make it on like a newsletter right. or something. Right. But for that woman, huge. that was transformational, like, right? Like she's like, I've never. And, right. and you're like, you just, you're like, please don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. Because <laughs> that it, you know, we, the things that we take for granted, you know, the things that we sit down for a family meal and women say, yeah. This is the first family meal I've ever sat down to in a decade. Yeah. Or ever. Or a, bir- or, a, birthday, or a birthday. Yeah. I've never celebrated my birthday. And you're yeah. like, okay. Yeah. What we're doing here, the daily small acts of love and service are are what transforms hearts. Right. right? So one of the women in our, in fact, the first woman in our program ever, she's still with us. Um, she's so amazing. But you know, it takes a long time to build trust, sure. no matter how long you've been in the life. But if you've had a lifetime of trauma, it is exceptionally hard to start building trust with people again. Understandably so. Yeah. Um, and I just remember the one, I remember one day when she, she wouldn't say, cause we were like, I love you. I want to start, you know, we were very caring. Our, our staff is amazingly compassionate, yeah. um, patient and <laughs> gracious. Um, but we, we have to do that without expecting things in return, right? And so um, I just remember the day when one of our staff members came back to us and she said, this woman, she said, I love you back to me. Like it was the first time and it was so exciting. <laughs> yeah. And I, I know it seems small and almost trivial to us who live like a very kind of normal life. Um, but that was groundbreaking. Right. That Big was deal. groundbreaking. And we go, oh my gosh, trust. Yeah. You can't have healing without trust. And if we can see that trust is being built, yeah. oh my God, what well, can the Lord do? Well, in a sense of felt safety, right? Yes. Because I mean, it's so critical. Like we talk about the ERC as like this therapeutic environment. Yes. And there's so much that goes into what that means. But yeah. like at a baseline, it has to be, uh, a felt safety has to be established there. That's right. That's and, right. and you're not able to look at somebody and say, I love you, yeah. if you don't feel at least some measure of some safety. Some measure of safety. And you know, there's this isn't a story or testimony, but so many times women will even tell us or we've heard through other, other safe homes, they're like, we were just waiting hmm. for the staff to like physically get into a fight. Or like, you know, there's one safe home that I uh, revere greatly and there's a husband and wife team that lead it. And so the husband is in the home as well, which I think is actually so phenomenal, yeah. such an amazing model. And so they'll tell us like, yeah, women, especially when they first come in, they'll be like waiting for the husband and the wife to get in a physical altercation. Yeah. And they're like holding their breath. And they're yeah. like, wait, it's never happened. Like <laughs> I've been here a year and it's never happened. But it's those things that are like, this might be the first non-abusive home, that environment that she's ever experienced. And like, how can you wrap your mind around that? Um, And how long does it take to unwind and undo those places of trauma in the brain, even in the heart and mind, right? So, um, man, that, I think that was the time that was a few months in and I'm like, oh man, this is important. This is really important. And it it shows evidence that like it's working and it's worth Mm -hmm. it and all those things. Yeah. I also just want to make a quick note before we kind of shift gears here that like there are other aftercare programs mm-hmm. that like we look to that we're learning with that we're partnering with we're collaborating with like we have to be in this together and so if you're a listener or a viewer and you are in this work you do long-term restorative care for um, overcomers of sex trafficking 
would you introduce yourself to us? Like, we'd like <laughs> to meet you. Like, we'd like to collaborate. We'd like to hear yes. your stories. Um, you can put that in the comments or email us. You can email Micah or, or Liesl, our program director. We'd love to hear from you. Um, and big shout out to Redeemed. Yes. We love you guys. Absolutely. Um, Dennis and Bobby, uh, you, you're amazing. You teach us. They are on their 10-year reunion. Yeah, this, 10, this years. 10 years. 10 years. <laughs> Congratulations. Um, yeah, so we're excited for them. Okay, Micah? <laughs> I wonder if you would like to spend some time telling our listeners and our viewers, where are we going? Mm -hmm. We've done this for a year, um, but we have 84 acres. So we have one house Mm -hmm. open and operating Mm -hmm. with the capacity there, six beds on 84 acres that we own outright. Right. So if somebody were just take a snapshot of where the ERC is today, it looks like there's a bunch of untapped potential, mm. just like geographically, right? <laughs> yes. Right? Because yeah. one house, 84 acres. So tell us, where are we going? Do we plan on just leaving that 84 acres undeveloped? Uh, is our plan is just to run one home on 84 acres? Yeah. Where are we going? Right. And how are we going to get there? Um. That's a great question. <laughs> How do you eat an elephant? Like one bite at a time. That's what time. we're yeah, going to do. Answer. That's a great answer. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. So we we have this phenomenal gift of a property. Um, some of you might have actually even been out there to see it, which is so cool. I love giving um, tours to our partners. And I wonder, sorry to interrupt you. I mm-hmm. wonder, you know, maybe David can, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm putting David on blast here. Maybe he can put drop some photos yes. in of a few things at this yeah, point. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, So I want to start with um, a verse from Isaiah, just to give some context. So the Lord is talking in this passage, Isaiah 58, to the church or to like obviously the Jewish people at that time. And he's saying, you know, you've been fasting, you've been going to synagogue, you've been doing these things, and you've been like making all these almost like sacrifices, but really what I want from you, and he says this, isn't this is the fast that I want, Mm. to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke. It is so that you can share your bread with the hungry. It is so you can bring the poor um, into your house who have been cast out. It is so you can, when you see the naked, that you cover him and you don't hide yourself from your own flesh. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. Mm. And it goes on. If you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness and your darkness shall be as noonday. I say all that because as a guiding principle is that we... We say, look, at any cost, yeah. we, we believe that every life deserves to be restored. And so we are saying, how can we extend ourselves to cover the poor, the needy, the oppressed, the afflicted, and bring them into our home, in yeah. a sense, and the 84 acres is our home. And so not only that, but God, again, is limitless. There is no lack in him. He is the author and the finisher. And so I, I, when I look at the campus... There's two types of people who look at the campus. There's one who go, oh my gosh, this is <laughs> this is a crazy ton of work. But then there's the other type of person who sees the vision. Yeah. And they go, all right, yeah, let's, let's go. do it. Yeah. You know, I, it's going to be decades. Mm. It's going to be decades before we get there. But I look to people like Brookwood. Mm. And, you know, I was reading her... Um, if you don't know, they have 600 acres. They serve a different population than we do, but made tons of mistakes along the way. Um, <laughs> and I just, I loved reading her autobiography because yeah. she was like, but God, 
Like we bought this thing, it all burned down, we rebuilt. We, we did this social enterprise, it completely failed. We started over and we kept going. And now they have like a multi-million dollar facility. They serve thousands of adults. And yeah. it's just phenomenal the lives that they've been able to impact. So I look at people like that and others sure. who have built phenomenal um, movements mm. of justice, covering the poor. Because the thing is, is like God's heart is for covering the poor and the afflicted. He says it all throughout the Bible. Yeah. Don't forget the poor. Don't forget the poor, right? Um, that's the ministry of the church. It really is one of the first ministries yeah. of the church. And so I say as long as we're covering the poor, there's yeah. going to be no lack. Well, and there's also this like constant refrain within Scripture to like, like land is a blessing. Yes. And we got a lot of land. Yes. I mean, we have a yeah. ton of land that, I mean, there's a river. I mean, there's all these different, you know, things. Yeah. Um, it's literally in the middle of nowhere, right? I mean, like, um, it's in this very rural, I mean, there isn't any infrastructure that's out there, but it's, mm-hmm. it's ours. It's a gift. It's it a came, gift. it came to Elijah rising miraculously. Mm-hmm. And so like, if we don't do something with it, that's, a good point. that's on us. That's right. You know, that's right. Yeah. And I'm a big believer that you are a continual learner. That means you're yeah. a continual developer. Yeah. Um, and so that's what we're doing with this campus. And we are um, asking the Lord for prophetic vision, prophetic insight and saying, well, what you have, you know, every building project that's in the Bible, the Lord gave the template. Yeah, he good. gave the template. He said, put the post here, you know, it's going to be this color and it's going to be this size. And so I know that the Lord has a blueprint for this 84 acre campus. And mm-hmm. we are asking his heart, like, what is it? I believe that we've received it. Um, in part, right? We see in part. You believe part, that we've received that vision? Yes. Okay. I believe we've, we've received it. Um, that, it, again, it's in part. It can ebb sure. and flow, right? Sure. It's, a, it's a blueprint. We can change it as we go along. But we've been also gifted, like incredible gift, to work with the world's best, the world's largest architecture firm, um, some of the best um, land environmental designers, um, civil engineers, like master planners that yeah. do community development at no cost to us. Like that is Incredible. a phenomenal gift. Yeah. And um, it's because we've been, well, the generosity of those people, but yeah. we've been praying for four years. Like, God, we know that this is a dream in your heart. So what does it look like? You need to get... Um, because it's, it's not enough to have a prophetic heavenly vision, right? Sure. You have to have the actual blueprints and the actual cost models and the sustainability yeah. structures, and you have to have the Gantt sheets and the, whatever. You have to have all of that. Um, we need it to go hand in hand. Yeah. Um, but so all that to answer your question, you know, we have one home right now. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Because right. here's the thing, too, is that nationwide – I think on average, no, on average is five to eight beds is every safe homes structure, yeah, right? They can serve five, their capacity, five to eight women. Um, and there's a good reason for that. You don't sure. want to cram like 40 women in a home. <laughs> it yeah. would be a disaster. That's a lot of trauma. That's a lot through, of trauma. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, but I also think it's because people buy a home, organizations buy a home, and they kind of just stay there. And sure. that, there's no, no shame in that, right? Yeah. But we've been gifted 84 acres. Yeah. And so we have... Yeah, we need, we need hundreds of organizations yes. to buy a home and start yes. doing restorative care, right? Or churches yeah. Yeah, or, or churches. whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, we do. We need hundreds, if not thousands, right? Um, and so we see, okay, we go... Okay, 
We have one home. We have four other homes that we're going to move into. And the beauty of this is that we can scale. So yeah. everything that we're doing is made to be replicable. So not just Elijah Risings, but we can give it to another organization that's a startup. We can yeah. disciple and mentor them for free. Um, and they don't have to make all the same mistakes that we did, right? Um, so everything is replicable and everything that we're doing is scalable. Yeah. But those four homes that you're mentioning, those are already built. Like those are, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Thank you for clarifying that. So right now we have uh, four additional single family homes that we can move into that yeah. we can. And actually in 2021, our goal is to move into at least one of those homes to multiply into one of those homes, which will increase our yeah. bed space if Re- not two. Real briefly, what keeps us from just doing that tomorrow? Um, money yeah. and people, yeah. <laughs> uh, funding and staff. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, the staff is the easy part it would come with funding, but yeah, sure. it's funding. Yeah. It, that's it. So after we, so the funding comes, the staffing is in place. We moved into those four homes. What's next? Okay. So then we have developed, we have, um, one really amazing, huge building, uh, 20,000 square feet. It's built to last the apocalypse. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Solid concrete. <laughs> Solid. Um, it's not going anywhere. And so that was a gift to us, right? It yeah. was built in the 50s. And in fact, not to get too far off track, but it was built by volunteers. Yeah. Um, anyway, that was, it was a crazy story. Um, so we need to renovate it. It was built in the 50s, so there's no HVAC. There's all the mechanical, mm. had plumbing, electrical, all has to be redone. Um, but the vision for that is to be turned into a t- sort of city center. Um, and so right now on campus, although we have those homes and we're doing programming and all of that, we have to come into the city to do counseling or right. therapy. We have to come into the city to do social enterprise and occupational skills, right. into the city to do education, right? Um the other caveat to that is that we've got to div- we've got to figure out a rural internet solution that's large enough to handle the capacity and the pull, um, and that's a real problem. So if you know problem. how to get rural internet solutions, please contact us. Um, anyway, so that city center building is going to be such a dynamic building because it has two libraries, has an adult and a children's library, wow. uh, which eventually we would like to be able to serve. We need to serve women with their children. So that's the number one reason that women get rejected from aftercare nationwide is that they have like, you know, they have custody of their kids or their, their kids with their mom and they want them back or something like that. So we need to serve women and children. Anyway, that building is going to be um, multi-use. So it will be a place for occupational skills. So social enterprises, you can learn a trade there. Um, You can get your GED, you can go to educational classes, you can go to your counseling appointments, you can go to the chapel that's underneath, you know, in that basement of the building. It's there, yeah. Yeah. Um, Cafeteria, there's a huge cafeteria. So we can do family meals together, right? With the whole campus, which is really, really special. Yeah, it's like an industrial kitchen. It is huge, Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now. It's, it's not, gutted. Yeah, it's not operating. <laughs> it's right? not operating. It's a shell. Um, so if you know you do industrial kitchens, please contact us. Yeah. Um, and then the upstairs, a really cool part is that the homes are designed to be in that first two or three sometimes phases of yeah. our program. And that's when you mean the most kind of, it's like intensive care, sure. right? And then it kind of um, de-escalates, if you will, or supports her into further independent living in phase four and post-graduation. So the how there would be housing on that second story of this city center building. And that would be single family apartments, mm. like efficiencies or one bedrooms um, where a woman can 
essentially have her own place, yeah. make her own schedule. She can be going to school, still getting therapeutic appointments, still getting, you know, educational classes, social enterprise, still living on campus, but essentially she is one step away from graduating. And so at this point she's learning to live her own life, yeah. right? She's doing her own budgeting she's doing her own meal planning, all of that stuff. With the, with the restorative care kind of, um, structure and support mm-hmm. just outside. That's right. That's right. right. So, so she can still kind of do that independent living, but then there's still all those support systems that are just across the pond or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Because think about like when you and I moved out, right? Yeah. Like we still needed support. Yeah, I still call t- your mom. <laughs> call yeah. your mom, right? right? Call your dad. You have a flat tire. Like all of those things that go into just healthy living and community sure. we've got to address. And so um, that would be like that phase four transitional living. Um, and then we have a plan, a really beautiful plan to um, not just multiply houses, right? Yes, multiply houses. We've been working with the architect to design like these uh, community homes that could serve women and children specific Mm. to them and then community homes to just serve adults. Those are very different populations. They have different needs. Sure. And so we're building these, uh, we're putting in the design, um, these pocket communities that would be centered around something that would be uh, appropriate, like for the women and children would be like a playground. Yeah. A really safe, whatever, you know, right. kind of play area for the moms and kids. And then maybe for the adults, it's like a community garden or a community fire pit or something that yeah. connects you to nature and connects you to each other. That's so cool. Um, and then we have in the design to build out um, a beautiful pond, like fishing. You can go kayaking on it. There's already a very natural watershed. And the thing too is that a lot of these women have grown up in foster care or they've been through the system. And so we want to get as far away from the institutional type feeling Feeling, as, as much as possible because God's design for restoration is through family. Family. And so we've got to build it like that. And so we are, everything that we do is with an aim towards, um, beauty, hospitality, you know, making the environment. So we're looking at putting in walking trails, prayer gardens, um, a community garden that would have like orchards and a play center, like a soccer field, you know, the things that are, I say, I say this because when women come into our program, they've a lot of times their natural rhythms are completely thrown off and skewed. Like they haven't been eating well, or maybe they've been eating from a vending machine for the last three years. So nutrition, exercise, even just daylight, like that natural circadian rhythm of getting back into a normal sleeping pattern. And so this property is all designed with those things in mind as a therapeutic, holistic kind of healing environment. Um, eventually down the line, we've liked to build a a chapel of its own, like a worship center of its own where we can have weddings or we can have, um, obviously worship praise and worship gatherings. I mean, that is the most that is one of the most intrinsic parts of what we do, right? And um, women have full freedom. If they don't want to go into any kind of spiritual development, that's fine. But we always offer it. It's, yeah. It's a really important piece. And, you know, we find that we don't have to, we don't have to kind of push in that direction at sure, all. Sure. Women are being touched by the Lord sovereignly, yeah. supernaturally, um, independently. Um, and so we, we foresee this being like a hub of not just care for the women that we're serving, but also training and equipping for, um, other organizations. So there's a whole place inside of that city center where you can do training seminars, conferences. It's huge. Right. And so we see the, the 20, the 30, the 50 year plan of being, um, this dynamic kind of, 
multifunctional use property. Um, I haven't seen anything like that in the nation. And so we can bring in licensed clinical professionals. We can bring in, um, we can build out, one of our uh, long-term visions too is to build out a network of postgraduate um, uh, businesses who can hire our residents once they graduate our program, who, who are like, okay, I know where you've come from. I know where you're going, um, who are trauma informed themselves and can say, yeah, I'll hire somebody with a felony. I get where you've been, you know, um, banks, lenders, credit institutions who will work with the women that we serve. So we're looking at, again, a holistic answer to this problem, um, that goes far beyond just Elijah Rising because we can't do it by ourselves, right? right? How are we going to get there? Well, it's going to be a community, a regional, even a national solution to this problem. Yeah. Yeah. And because we just, we also recognize that like not every anti-trafficking organization can open a safe home. That's or, right. You know, That's or right. want to, or should, you know, whatever the, the situation is. So we build it mm-hmm. to not just serve our population, but yeah. Uh, one last note before we kind of close out. I mean, there are also, I know just cause of, I understand the vision, like some environmental sustainability yeah. things that we're also talking about. Just briefly kind of share like what that looks like as well. Yeah. Let me, uh, before I say that one last thing I forgot to mention is that this year we're actually going to be expanding into post-graduation or right. transitional housing. Completely forgot about that. <laughs> that's a big, that's a it's huge a thing. Yeah, another gap. Right now, it's not being, there are no transitional beds in Houston, yeah. which is crazy. So women graduate a long-term program if they have the chance to do that. They still have a felony. They have no credit history, or maybe their credit was ruined by their pimp or their trafficker, or their identity was stolen. So they still face these insurmountable hurdles just trying to get an apartment. So we're going to kind of bridge that gap. So that, I wanted to say that too. Yeah, it's important. Um Yeah. So we are looking, you know, half of our property is going to be in the floodplain. So we're looking at, um, what are some agricultural uses for that? That can be, um, uh, both flood, uh, mitigation, but also a residual income for us. Um, solar wind technologies as well to start building in some, uh, sustainable energy. Um, and then, there's a whole bunch of other like really geeky things yeah. that we're thinking about. I just love that about. stuff. Yeah. I love it too. And you know, it's, bamboo, we've been talking about bamboo. Yeah. It yeah. soaks up water. You can harvest it. It's a right. building material. It's a renewable. I mean, it's amazing. So I think there's a, there's a whole, there's a whole, man, there's a whole segment that we have yet to tap. Absolutely. Right. Um, and so I think what is the highest and the best, uh, potential for this property yeah. that, um, honors and cherishes it, but also honors and cherishes the people that we're serving. Well, and it also the way that you, the way that we build it, um, you know, we, we often say that trafficking is the exploitation of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And so like hearing that vision reminds me, it's like, yeah, well, if we build this the right way, it not only serves their long-term restorative care, but it also solves some of those vulnerabilities. Absolutely. You know? Um, Absolutely. So that's where we're going. Mm-hmm. I want to give you the opportunity just like the last couple seconds here to just speak to the listener right now and what role can they play in bringing that vision to fruition? Great question. Um, there is, man, there is a spot for you in this. I guarantee. And whether it's with Elijah rising or if it's with you're in, you know, Southwest Missouri, you know, (laughs) whatever organization you're with, um, Go to those organizations, find out what their need is. Um, and a lot of times they have so many needs, they can't articulate it, right? Yeah, we, so we understand We that. have so many needs. We need civil engineers. We need septic systems. We need internet. W- internet. I mean, we need grant writers. We need all of these 
crazy things. I could give you a list that's five pages long, right? Yeah. But you are going to get tone deaf before <laughs> you're going to get tired of it. Yeah. So use what you have. If you are a CPA or if you have legal, like if you're an attorney or if you are a master planner, like yeah. use those things and say, this is what I have, or this is what I'm good at, or this is my hobby. Can this help you in any way? Yeah. Um, because I guarantee you that there is a nonprofit out there or an organization that can really use those services. Um, we use everything from the creative arts, theater, yeah. photography, video editing to, again, civil engineers or legal counsel. So, I mean, there is a place for yeah. you in this fight. Yeah. And I'd also just appeal to you, the listener, as well. You know, this organization runs on charitable contributions and the vast majority of our fundraising, more than 60% of our funds come from small dollar individual givers, mm -hmm. you the listener at home. And committing, if this vision has impacted you and you want to do something about it, perhaps the easiest, quickest thing that you could do to make an impact right now um, is to become a monthly giver to Elijah Rising. You can go to ElijahRising.org. Uh, and click on any donate link. They're all over the place there. Um, and become a sustaining partner of what Elijah Rising's doing. Even at like a $10 level, that gift just ripples. Yeah, um, it does. Not just for, because we're in the midst of a global pandemic and the economy is all out of whack, but because we have a 5, 10, 50-year yeah. vision that's going to take a long time to get there. Mm -hmm. And um, and sustainable partners is how we're going to do it. We're, we're going to do it with, with you. Um, as our partner. So one other last appeal that I'll make before I wrap this up, it's going to be a long episode is if you have stories, uh, if there's something that you've heard on any episode, but this episode in particular, uh, that has impacted you or caused you to think differently about something, or like maybe we answered a question that you've had or a perspective has shifted, we would love to hear from you. Also, if you have other ideas about what you want to hear us discuss uh, on the podcast or guest you think we should bring onto the podcast, mm -hmm. um, let us know. Comment, email, and uh, and also share the podcast. Subscribe. If you're listening on iTunes or Spotify, you can find a video version of this podcast on YouTube. And we will see you on the next episode of the Elijah Rising podcast.